Welcome to Marketing Tales with Chris Raposo, a podcast created to spotlight and highlight marketers, tell their stories, and share their knowledge with those interested in all things marketing. If you're interested in more than just the cut and dry strategies and tactics and want to learn more about the human side of his guests and how they got to where they are today, then this show is for you. What's one important lesson that you've learned over the course of your marketing career that you could share with us? Yeah, things are just always going to be changing. And so one of AppFire's core values is thrive on change and grow together. And so we've sort of all adopted this mindset that like, hey, everything is always changing. We shouldn't just try to be successful despite the change. We should like embrace it know that it's always going to be coming be you know mentally prepared for this but yeah just being adaptable to all of the um all of the changes that may come come your way whether it's uh you know the career trajectory different opportunities being excited and, and able to grab new opportunities as they're presented be kind of i would say emotionally neutral about all the changes that may come your way mm-hmm. um yeah whether it's with the business or or whatever Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Marketing Tales with Chris Raposo. Today, my guest is Holly Wright. She is the VP of Marketplace Success at AppFire, and she also used to work for Hannon Hill in the past, so I'm really super excited to talk to her today. Holly, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome, awesome. Hey, so I did a little bit of research on you, and I noticed that you um, studied in industrial design at... Uh, Georgia Tech. While while you were while you were working on your undergrad degree, you also obtained a marketing certificate from the College of Business, and then you moved on to earn your MBA from Georgia Tech as well. What made you want to get into marketing? Um, honestly, it was actually some advice from an older classmate. Um, after she had graduated, she was like, "I don't know, there's so few jobs in industrial design. Maybe you should take a few marketing classes." And I was like, "Okay." And I took a few and I really liked them. And somewhere around the middle of my junior year, I was starting to realize I might not want to do industrial design when I graduated. So I decided to go for the full, you know, certificate in marketing. And then, um, yeah, I ended up getting a job in marketing after college and realized that I wanted to fill out the rest of my business education. So that's why I went back and did the rest of my, we did my MBA to, to cover all the other areas of business. Yeah, it's very smart. You, you you made an early pivot and that's what college is all about, right? You you discover yourself. So that's what you yeah. did. And it looks like you made the right decision still being in marketing. Um, mm-hmm. Segwaying into that, you've you've been in marketing for over a decade now and you've worked your way up, up the ladder um, to your current position as VP of market success at AppFire. What does AppFire offer and what is your responsibility of as the VP of market success, marketplace success? Well, AppFire is an enterprise collaboration software company. Uh, We make a number of different um, products that help teams plan and deliver their best work. So um, a lot of our products are sold on marketplaces like Atlassian, um, uh, Salesforce's AppExchange, uh, Microsoft, Azure DevOps, other other ones like that. So, um, so that that's kind of what AppFire does. Um, I've actually been here six and a half years. So I joined um, as a director of marketing, and I was our first full time marketing hire. And over the years, I 
um, built up a team and built up all the different marketing functions. And I pivoted last year into a new role called Marketplace Success that is all about um, optimizing not only how we uh, present ourselves on these various software marketplaces, but also managing those relationships with those upstream software manufacturers. Interesting. Interesting. I've never heard of um, app marketplace and marketing within that. So that's a great episode for sure. And I'm sure uh, the audience is going to get a lot out of it. So let's dive in a little deeper uh, in what you do. So what does it mean to, to do marketing when you sell your product on an app marketplace? Um, yeah, good question. So uh, it's a little bit different than when you have your own standalone product. And we have a few of those as well. Um, but there are the other yeah, few major differences for one, um, most of the revenue that we receive from customers actually flows through those marketplaces. Um, so it goes through another person before it get another company before it gets to AppFire. Um, that means that it has kind of consequences across the board. Um, it means we don't always have full transparency into the entire funnel and purchasing process. Um, we also, um, you know, in, in most of those cases, pay a portion of those um, proceeds to the upstream software manufacturer that's managing the marketplace. Mm -hmm. um, it also has ramifications for things like, um, yeah, how we name our products, SEO, all those different things. So um, basically the way it works though, is like generally speaking is, um, when a customer is using, let's say Atlassian's Jira, um, and there's something they want to do, but they can't get native Jira to do that. Um, they will go out to Atlassian's marketplace and look for Jira apps that might solve their pain point or their mm. need, or they may be working with like a solution partner. Um, but either way, they're eventually going to find, um, one of our apps that helps, helps them solve that, that need that they have. Um, they can, you know, start a trial, see if they like it, see if it solves their need and then buy it, and then they're going to buy it via the marketplace, and then we'll get our cut after the sale is complete. So um, so it's just, yeah, it's, it's a bit different because we don't own the web property. We manage our listings, but it's not our website, um, okay. and it's a transaction and billing system. So in your marketing efforts, how uh, do you measure results, and how do you think about some of the basic marketing concepts, such as SEO, traffic conversion on a marketplace? Yeah, I mean that's such a such a good question too. Um we in terms of um how we measure our results, um there are a few different metrics we're looking at. Of course, we want to increase traffic. We can measure the traffic to our listings even though it's not our overall website. Uh we're able to get some of that information about about total um you know, visitors and how they're engaging on our pages. Um we're looking at number of trials started. We're looking at conversion rates. So we want to see how people are, um, when we have X number of trials, how many of those convert to a paying customer. Uh, we're, we're looking at um, retention rates, how, you know, if people are, are sticking with our product. All those metrics get a little funky, though. Because, uh, <laughs> again, we don't always have full transparency into, like, lead sources and things like that. Um, so we sometimes have to get a little creative. Um, also, like, we... Um, if there's, let's just say a customer churns and they stop using our app, we don't always know if it's because our app stopped working for them and they, they didn't need it anymore, or if um, they churned from the underlying product, you know, using the Jira example. 
we don't know if they stopped using Jira altogether or they just stopped using our app. So there's some kind of, there's a little bit of like black box there when we're trying to understand our, some of those um, success measures. Mm -hmm. um, to your other question though, about just like how we think about some of those other concepts, like um, SEO is, is multifaceted uh, when you're working on a marketplace. We're not just thinking about getting to the top of Google. That's really important, but we also have to think about the search experience within the marketplace. How do we get to the top of the search results if someone's going straight to the marketplace and searching for certain keywords, because um, we get traffic from both both types of search. Um, when we think about, um, yeah, I think I've, I think I've already touched on some of the other ones, but yeah, does that answer the question? Absolutely. Thank you so much for explaining that. Um, yeah. <laughs> as you know, as a marketing leader, products that aren't priced to fit the market can fail. Um, what are the considerations for pricing a product? on a marketplace, how do you go about that? Um, so I do a lot of the pricing work um, at AppFire and um, there are a number of considerations. So um, I would just say like, you know, overarching, like one of the biggest considerations is trying to be in alignment with um, the go-to-market strategy of the upstream software manufacturer. So um, thinking about uh, the way that people buy, um, I'll stick with the Jira example. <laughs> the way people buy Jira a lot of times is either if they're a smaller company, they might go to straight to the website and start a trial and put in their credit card information to buy it. Um, if they are an enterprise customer, they're almost almost definitely working with um, a solution provider um, to buy Jira. So we have to think about how someone's going to buy our product in, in those different scenarios based on the size they are. And we have companies, you know, from, you know, a few users, one user to like several tens of thousands of users. And so um, our customers are all different sizes. They're all over the world. They're in every single industry. Um, so, um, so yeah, the pricing of course is really important. And we try to make sure our pricing is, is somewhat aligned to um, the upstream manufacturer. So if they um, provide significant uh, like, I don't want to say discounts, that's not the right word. Um, but if their price per user flattens out a bit more as you scale, then we want to follow a similar, similar pattern. Um, so that's one of the things we think about. Of course, we also look at things like, um, you know, what's the competition out there? Like that influences it. What um, functionality is native to the product and how much value are we providing on top of that? So um, all of our pricing is, is value-based. We base our pricing on the value that people are getting out of our software. Um, but all those things kind of go into that. Okay. Um, you mentioned that, uh, your products are used all over the world. Does the, do you adjust the price depending on the region? Let's say you're, uh, I don't know, Eastern Europe compared to the United States, do you adjust the pricing or do channel partners adjust that pricing depending on the region? No, we really don't. We kind of have one global price uh, for our products. And that's also kind of in alignment with, uh, yeah, with our upstream manufacturers. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. That makes sense. Um, when it comes to channel partners, how do you how do you pick those channel partners? How do they come into play and uh, when you're selling within a software ecosystem and maybe even explain what a, what a software ecosystem is. Yeah. So, um, so in this case, like let's take Atlassian or, or Salesforce, um, 
they they've created, they've invested in and created these enormous ecosystems around their core products. So um, in in Salesforce, there are all these consultants that help people implement the product. Um, in the Atlassian space, of course, there there are consultants that help with implementation. There are also resellers. Um, there are you know thousands of app vendors in both in both of those ecosystems creating creating apps and add-ons that extend, augment, enhance those underlying products. Um, so when I say like the ecosystem, I'm talking about not just the, the main um, the main company like Salesforce or Atlassian, but all the companies sort of in their orbit um, that are that are all working together to service these common customers. Um, so when I think about channel partners, um, it's that's first of all, I should say that's not my area of responsibility. Uh, we have an entire really talented, amazing team that manages our channel partners. Um, but the way that the way that we think about them is we're trying to help them help customers. And so if our apps can solve one of their customers' pain points, that's what that's what they want that we want to help them position it that way. So um, yeah, ultimately, it's all about helping them help their customers. Yeah, perfect. It's the importance of knowing your audience and um, just being there to serve. Uh, that's probably one of the most important things that I've learned over my marketing career, you know, um, sell the benefits for sure. Um, so you've been in the industry for about maybe 10 years, I think. Um, and you're all in. I mean, you got your MBA from Georgia Tech. You're all in the marketing. You've going through the ranks. Uh, what's one important lesson that you've learned over the course of your marketing career that you could share with us? Um, I think a big one is um, just being adaptable. Things always change. And especially if you are working in a high growth company that's fast paced, it's growing quickly. Um, yeah, things are just always going to be changing. And so one of AppFire's core values is thrive on change and grow together. And so we've sort of all adopted this mindset that like, hey, everything is always changing. We shouldn't just try to be successful despite the change. We should like embrace it, know that it's always going to be coming, be, you know, mentally prepared for this. Um, and, um, but yeah, just being adaptable to all of the, um, all of the changes that may come, come your way, whether it's uh, you know, the career trajectory, different opportunities, being excited and, and able to grab new opportunities as they're presented um, and just being able to um, make adjustments and um, be kind of, I would say, emotionally neutral about all the changes that may come your way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Whether it's with the business or, or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. There's always something that needs to needs to happen. Yeah, totally, totally agree with that. Um, let's say someone in the audience is entry-level marketing uh, specialist, for example, um, but has big aspirations to becoming either a VP of marketing or even a, a CMO in the future. Uh, what are some of these steps that you took in order to get yourself up the ladder, uh, you know, step-by-step? Step? Uh, what should people focus on? Um, yeah, a few things come to mind that have helped me a lot. So for one, um, when I was at Hannon Hill, I wanted to be a manager, but, um, at the time we didn't have a very big marketing organization. 
And so uh, I went to um, I went to our CEO and I asked her if uh, if I could have an intern and for the summer. And um, she said yes. It was you know a relatively reasonable ask. Uh, we got a whole lot of value out of our first intern, um, and I got a lot of experience um, just you know from listing the job to interviewing to hiring to onboarding to managing. And then she stuck around um, part time for the next entire school year and was like really valuable to us. And I still keep in touch with her. Um, but just starting with. Um, if that's if you if you're interested in climbing the ladder and getting into a management position, then um, any way you can find to get some management experience is always helpful. And even if it's not people, just maybe raising your hand and taking on managing um, a different project than you normally would, or raising your visibility there. Um, so that's one one idea um, that can help people uh, get that experience, even if they aren't in a position to manage a large team. Um, some other things, I mean, I won't say everybody needs to get an MBA, but for me, it, it was really helpful because I needed to round out the rest of my business experience. And um, most marketing leaders need to be well-versed in other areas of the business. They need to be thinking about finance and operations and um, all the different parts that that help the business be successful, um, even though they're not running those areas. So for mm -hmm. me, that was really helpful. Um I would say it also helped me get my job here at Atfire. The fact that I had an MBA was impactful during that recruiting process. Um, and another thing is just kind of being upfront about what your goals and intentions are. Um, I actually didn't apply for this job at Atfire, but I was recruited. And um, when I had my first initial meetings with um, with my would-be boss, who was one of the founders here, um, I just, I told him like, I I'm ambitious. I want to climb a ladder. I, I want to be on a certain path. And, um, and we made that part of the conversation regularly. Like, how can I keep learning? How can I grow? How can I get there? And, um, he was really supportive. And so just sharing your intention is always helpful. Um, things like the way I got this job, I was doing some public speaking. I was managing email, an email marketing team at an agency and I got the bug and just thought it'd be fun to go talk about email marketing at a handful of conferences. <laughs> and so uh, I ended up my yeah, my future boss from AppFire was um, was in the audience at one of my presentations. And yeah, the rest was history. I mean, it just it happened really quickly after that. And it was really exciting to get recruited here. Um, and then just some lessons I've learned here. I mean, um, you don't always luck into an AppFire situation. I joined here as a one, you know, our first marketing hire, I was the only one. Um, we started building the team um, with kind of a bang. <laughs> like I was here for a year, went on maternity leave. I came back and then I hired four people and brought over a couple people from other departments. And like within a year of like within two years of starting, I suddenly had a team of like eight people. <laughs> so it was not everybody lucks into that situation you know that was that was exciting for me because AppFire is such a high growth awesome company to be at that it's given me a lot of opportunities I might not have at other companies that aren't growing so quickly so that would probably be another lesson is just look for a company that's growing quickly because opportunities abound when the company is growing yep all ships rise absolutely that's really really good advice um and I have to agree with that as well when we had our annual user conference I was lucky enough to hire two contractors to help with that and that's how i got some managing experience as okay, well yeah. through that and 
Um, probably going to do the same, maybe uh, hire a content creator or something just to help out so I can do more uh, high level stuff uh, in the future. So that's great advice. Thank you for that. Um, what that's are another two... good example of how you can get it without having to invest in a full-time yes. employee, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, I tried the Upwork route that didn't work out. It was kind of a disaster um, getting somebody from there, but maybe if I get somebody, it's more like going to be consistently working for us as a contractor, then maybe they're a bit more invested uh, in the company and in the product. So I'll probably go try that route <laughs> next. Um, let's talk about uh, furthering your education without having to go to school. What are two or three books anyone should read to further their their knowledge as marketers? Ooh, any, uh, anyone should read. Um, okay, so this is not really a marketing book, um, but I read this during my MBA and it, I still think about it and mention it always, but um, Dan Ariely, Predictably Irrational. Um, this one is great because it um, it kind of explains how people think. And the whole premise is that people are not rational, despite how much we think we're rational. They're irrational, but that does not mean that they're not predictable. So we make irrational decisions every single day, but they tend to follow certain patterns. And so I think, you know, when you're a marketer, you're also kind of a psychologist. <laughs> so, um, so understanding how people think is really helpful. Um, another book I just kind of grabbed because I read it earlier this year um, is more, more pertaining to marketplaces. And uh, this is more like if you wanted to start a marketplace business, the lean marketplace. Um, this was written by one of the founders of, um, uh, shoot, what's the name of the platform? It's tribe something. Anyway, um, it's share tribe. They, they actually make a marketplace platform, but, um, this is actually a series of blogs turned into a book, but I just thought it was really inspiring to hear a bunch of different stories of how different marketplaces, marketplace businesses were started and how people who want to start a marketplace can think about the different metrics and um, uh, like ways to get it going. Like, do you start by recruiting vendors first or customers? Like, don't you kind of need both at the same time, chicken and egg thing. So that gave me a lot, a lot of just food for thought when I read that earlier this year. Um, I would also say um, this isn't a book, but um, I recently got a Reforge membership and I'm taking a class right there right now on um, pricing and monetization, as a matter of fact. Um, try to up my game there, level up my skills. But um, but there are all kinds of different um, learning paths and curriculum online. You don't have to read a book. You can, yeah, you can experience it with uh, with other people or um, yeah, do other things. I What I like about Reforge though is the program I'm enrolled in is a cohort program. So there's regularly scheduled content and assignments and you're in it with a number of other people together. So you have discussion and it's not like wholly self-guided um there's some structure and accountability to it okay perfect thanks for that advice you, you won't have to share a link uh for the audience yeah. for that program um after this and i'll put it in a linkedin post um uh, last question before we wrap up the episode how can people get in touch with you to learn more about you or AppFire? um so i am on LinkedIn. That's really the best way to find me. Um, I'm just linkedin.com slash in slash Holly Wright. Somehow I got that one. <laughs> um, I'm also on Twitter, Holly Go Rightly. 
but um, but yeah, I would also say if uh, if anyone's listening and they think Appfire sounds like a cool place, we are hiring. Um, even amid this this uh, tech situation, we are still hiring and growing. Um, so definitely check out appfire.com/join. Very good, Holly. I thank you so much uh, for being part of the Marketing Tales Show today, and um, really appreciate you, appreciate you and all the advice you've given to me and the audience. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to to catch up with a, a fellow uh, Hannon Hill person. Absolutely. So yeah, all right. great Take chat. Care. Yep. Thank you. Bye.